interview Deacon Henry for the podcast. Yeah. What questions should I ask? Oh, him? good, you have a list of questions. <laughs> We're gonna roast you. I don't. I wrote no. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think any of them are allowed on church <laughs> on church podcasts. So there's always the power of editing, though. So, yeah, that is true. So don't be. Afraid. That is true. Don't be afraid. So um, I actually asked Deacon if there were any questions that he didn't want to get asked for the millionth time. Okay. Well, and I don't want to rehash a lot of stuff that's been on the Coffee with the Collars. Uh, I didn't watch that episode. Sorry. So I, I, I don't did. know what was on there. So um, it was real. It was a short. I mean, they are short. So it's all, they're only around six minutes, right? So there wasn't. You mm-hmm. didn't tell your whole life story. No, but I I made you tell the life story at dinner the other day, and it was real fascinating. So could you just tell us a little bit about your background? Because they don't get it at they don't get it at mass, so they don't really know unless they read. Did we do like an expose on you in the bulletin or something? I don't think so. There was a cover a cover article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was there? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't read the bulletin either. Man, I'm bad at oh my gosh, media yeah. At St. Louis. Well, no, no, no. Everything that you that they say in the bulletin, we learn in the staff meetings. That's true. So those long staff meetings, of which there hasn't been one yet this summer. No, oh, dude, is next, it next week, week you'll get your first one. Uh-huh. Yes, it's very exciting. Yes. What day? Wednesday. I'll be gone. Oh, <gasps> how really? <laughs> Where are you going? A wedding in Michigan for a week. Wow. Oh, you're going to go to nice weather, and then you'll never want to come back here. Well, I would in about October. That's true. Yeah, yeah when it starts to snow. Wait, are you born and raised Texas? Mm-hmm. San Marcos. Oh, really? Or as what? some would say, San Marcos. San Marcos. That's actually right. <laughs> Is that the right way to say it? I think so. So you're used to Texas weather. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then you're, you studied where? In Ohio? That's where I'm studying. Yeah, that's where you're studying. So you hate the winter? Pretty much. Does it snow a lot where you're at in Ohio? Mm, no, not as much, but it's okay. just it snows plenty, but it doesn't it's not like Cleveland or Chicago sure, snow. Sure, right, yeah. You're yeah, kind of you're, you're not by the lake, you're on the other side. It's central. Oh, central, it's central. Ohio. Oh, so you're really not by the lake. Yeah. And so you get the gray clouds and without the fun. It's and it's gray. like so depressing, probably. Pretty much. Yeah. And cold. You're and cold. S- you're locked in your cell studying. Thomas That's right. Aquinas and cold. <laughs> and cold. I don't like to be cold. I'm not a fan of the cold. So this sweltering, I'll take it Texas forever. Is the best for you. Yeah, forever and ever. So you'd rather be outside now than the offices at St. Louis. Yep. Oh yeah, they're like meat lockers. Yeah, they're. Frigid. I cannot. I cannot. I always bring a parka just in case. This is the time of year, and I'm wearing I'm wearing glasses this week, Deacon. You know, uh, you know this struggle when you walk. Out of a cold place, oh, the glasses into the outside, out. you get the fog, and then really? you're like, "Do I look stupid, or does everyone just understand this? Do I need to no. clean my glasses?" Yeah, you or do, do people need. Understand? No, I would not have understood that. <laughs> no, really, I, I wouldn't have. Like, uh, why? Why are his glasses? Does that standing? happen to my son? I have one child who you should ask your child this. I should ask him. I should say, "Noet, do your glasses fog up when you walk outside?" They if, will if it's cold inside, and if it's humid outside, they right. definitely will. Wow. You should try it with your sunglasses. I, I don't think I pay. Outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does happen to my sunglasses. Yeah, there you but, go. But you don't walk around with them cloudy. Well, well, it goes away. Usually it's like out of the car into the grocery store. So it's like five seconds of I can handle it. Like I can, <laughs> I can make my way I don't need to do the whole like take right. it off. And the people really. who see me, you know, little to none. So. so are you glad that you're going to nicer weather for a week? Yeah. yeah. I'm mostly looking forward to spending time with this family. So, How do you know them? Uh, the pastoral year parish. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Yep. And they're getting married in Michigan? 
they the the mother of the bride is from there and that's they have a summer home. she grew up there and then they have a summer home there so they go back every summer for the whole cool. summer wow that's awesome a destination catholic wedding that's right except not really oh i like it, it. Catholic? well no it's catholic it oh. is catholic but it it's like a second home, right? Yeah, sure. Right, sure. right. It's not like a vacation. vacation. They're not right. going to the Bahamas. Exactly. Or is the is, canonically speaking, they have a quasi domicile there. <laughs> is that really a thing? It is. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Before we go any further, I just want to introduce the episode. What's up, everyone? How's it going? I'm Tom. I'm Elisa. And, uh, and I'm Deacon Henry. Yeah, today on the Being Church podcast, we are talking with Deacon Henry Finch. This is just a little a in-depth introduction to the people of God about who you are and what you're doing here. So thanks for being with us, man. We really... Oh, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Is it weird to sit, I don't know, by a bunch of microphones and chat? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're on relevant radio or something? It's a little too modern for me. <laughs> oh, my. So awesome. Oh man, you are so awesome. Tell us uh what you like so far about being at St. Louis. What I like being about what uh, what I like about being at St. Louis. Yeah. Mm. I like uh the music and the liturgy. That's that's pretty awesome. Classic. I like the uh um adult faith formation program and I'm enjoying being able to be a part of that this summer. I'm enjoying seeing the sort of evolution of um, curriculum and that sort of thing and in also an adult faith formation as we try to figure out how to best reach the the adults of the 21st century yeah yeah that's a constant struggle <laughs> it uh, just as an aside if you have not been to uh, a Wednesday night yeah. presentation um, by Deacon I would strongly encourage it yeah there's one to, well as as it's of coming today, out this yeah. episode is coming out today. Because Is it really? we don't have one for today. Oh, wow. So, You're going to go and edit. And I'm going to go edit sh- this. Yeah, yeah. shebang. Uh, yeah, 6, 6.30, right? Yeah, 6.30. 6.30 to 8. You've been talking about the church fathers, and that's I've just heard great things so far. Oh, my gosh. I took, like, a ton of notes. Yeah? I felt like I was getting a free college course. It was awesome. Well... I don't know what to say. I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> no, it was it was really good. So yeah. I anyway, I encourage – there were some parents there that brought their – Kid, like their teen, like their mm-hmm. teens, yeah, to like I, learn. I was like, yeah, I saw that, and I was like, that's a great thing for families to do during the summer, like especially bring your high schooler, right when you're all the kids are all day on yeah. the screen. You come and then you get like a you know a lesson, sweet theological education. Yeah, that's right. And what's there not to like about the church fathers? They're there really, really isn't. They're really great. I need to learn about the ones that I have to present on next week. Oh, you're presenting well, next he's week. Gonna be out oh, of town, he's going to be so out of I town. Hold down the fort. Oh wow, your attendance is going to go down the following week. Just let me know. <laughs> Well, it's a holiday, so we won't be meeting oh, that's right. on July 4th. Oh, so it'll be good. Do me a favor and let people know tonight that I'm teaching next week so they don't come. That would be good. I don't want to ruin well, now this, you're... this course. Uh, yeah, but you're Under, really good Underestimating yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, you're, who, who, do you, who are you presenting on? Augustine John Chrysostom. You are kidding me. I know. I'm Man, like... you guys. How did you choose the people that you're presenting on? Well, for the most part, the course is divided up sort of into time periods within the study of the fathers so we we have more or less gone chronologically and i've just chosen representatives of those schools or time periods so that's how we got so we had an introductory lecture and then we had uh, clement of rome and ignatius who were apostolic fathers for the earliest times last week tonight we'll have 
uh, Irenaeus and Justin Martyr from the ap- um, apologetic so age. And yeah. then um, after that, the number <laughs> really of theologians did. really starts to, to go up and their yeah. and their the amount of writing really starts to go up. So at that point, we'll start looking more at theological trends, oh, regional trends, Which I'm good at this. rather than rather than it'll still sort of be chronological. But that's so Augustine and Chrysostom are representatives of a of a certain kind of theology. And then the, the following week, we'll do representatives of sort of a different school of theology. How long? Are these like how six weeks? Like how many weeks are you guys doing it? Yeah, it's a series of six weeks. We're skipping for the fourth, yeah, right? and then um, we're moving. Sorry, go ahead. And then the last week will be an evening of re- uh, recollection in the chapel with exposition and benediction. which we're gonna like re-advertise for the whole parish. Like, hey, come pray with Deacon Henry, and yes. he'll do a little bit of some walkthrough and um, a little adoration and stuff. That's It'll right. Be, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be really great. So, um, you have one more year after this. That's right, Elisa. So, so tell me a little bit about, uh, like, how are you at this point you've done six years. How does it feel to know? Does it feel like it's really around the corner or does it feel like I still have a whole year? What is, what does it feel like right now? Well, there's probably a little bit of both. It definitely seems like the last six years have flown by when you start seminary seven or nine years seems like an interminable amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you just start to realize as you dive into it that there that that the church is given that time for a reason. That there, if one capitalizes on that time, one is going to certainly be well prepared and well formed to begin ministry. But you also just realize it sort of gets you in the mentality of of or hopes to get you in the mentality of lifelong formation of prepper. That this is not something that ends with six or seven years, but but continues on. Right. Um, and then there are also times where it still seems, you know, I got a whole year left. Well, gotta go back that's right. Got to go back to Ohio <laughs> and the cold. Yeah. One more and time. One more time. Yeah. Um, so that's what, that's the, I mean, just from Father Doug and Will, that's the hardest part is like you spend some, so much time in a parish and then you have to go back to the classroom and you're like, oh, like I love my friends here, but I got to, this is not right. what my heart, my heart wants to serve. Like right. I want to be with the people. Right. Exactly. Right. And you had a really successful pastoral year. I did. It, was a, William, it right? was a very enjoyable and formative pastoral year. That's right. Yeah, that's a great parish to learn. So big. Very big. Yeah. And so this is actually a good parish to learn too. I mean, this it the is. different dynamics here right. a little bit because of the school and stuff, but it seems like right. both places are really great. Right. And for different, different strengths and different different areas of focus and that sort of thing. So in, in all of formation, one of the things that they encourage us to do is to learn from the strengths of both the peoples and of the people and the places that we are. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that ends up being a, a much more positive way of looking at something than than sort of learning only from the negatives of the places that you are or something like that, right? Yeah, I imagine it's got to be tough to go into different places and see the way things are done sometimes and be like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. And right. you just kind of have to deal with it because it's not your, I mean, it is your place, but it's not your place. That's gonna have. That's like some detachment you got to work on, right? But it's a it's a it's a healthy approach to life, ultimately. Sure, right, right. Uh, sure. Because it sort of moves you into looking for the ways that you the things that you can take, the ways that you can grow from a given assignment or job or whatever the case might be. And also maybe just like thinking ahead to when when you're a leader, and you know, there's a lot of people I imagine at St. William and also here that. Um, are kind of experts in what they do so they can really help you know once you become 
a priest or a pastor just how much though how rich yeah. a learning experiment experience right. it is when you spend a whole year somewhere or you spend you know a summer uh really kind of learning the ropes right you get to figure out like oh that's a really good way of doing right, it. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. You get to see it all. Or even just like networking. Is networking a thing in the, in the, in clerk, like in clergy? In clergy world? land? That's yeah. Right. Well, I think it is. And it, it kind of has different reputations depending on how you talk about it. But it's very important to get to know people and right. to, to avail yourself of different resources that are available. This, again, the strengths of different, of different people. Um, and so, so networking is obviously pretty important, but you want to, that's a good way to talk about it too, rather than talking about it from sort of the, the standpoint of, um, connection or something sure. like that, or right. in sort of the, the, the negative sense that people talk about connection or, um, as it relates to ladder climbing or something like that. But networking right. is very important right. to, uh, expand your resource base, strengthen your foundation and, uh, open up your parish to, to a vast, you know, to a a broader spectrum of ideas. Of course. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I actually was having lunch with a friend the other day and we were actually, she actually works at a church and we were just talking about, um, how great it would be if there were more opportunities to say like, how are you doing? You know, I think everybody puts your head down and you're working and you're trying to get things done. And, um, you know, to use other people's, uh, other parishes and, and other systems, yeah. Uh, how are you doing this to kind of help not as a, you know, not as a, a competition or of sorts, but of just this, uh, collaboration between, exactly. I mean, cause within the deanery, like this area of parishes that surround us, we're all on the same team, right? right? Like we're serving our own people, but we've all probably got close to the same struggles and close to the same things that we're really good at. So I, you know, we can, we can share some, uh, some resources and share each other, you know, um, that's important. I don't think we do that enough. Either. Yeah, it's kind of time. I think part of it, down. yeah, part of it is time and just, yeah. Sure, right. Look, standing up and looking around for two seconds. Yeah, definitely. So along those same lines, do you, um, is it important to also have brother priests just kind of like to help you and also lay people? Like how does that, is that something that's taught to you? Is that, do you uh, men have to reach out on your own? How does that work? Right. Right. No, that's a good question, and I think probably different priests and seminarians would answer that in different ways based on their needs and and um, right based on their needs. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's I think it's important to have uh, certainly friends or in both the clerical and in the in the lay world, and um, I think that for a number of reasons. Certainly, there are certain struggles that a cleric is going to have that are really going to be most relatable with another cler- a clergyman, sure. right. whatever, and church problems or whatever the case might be, or yeah. personal spiritual struggles that are related to ministry or something like that. So that's going to be really important to be able to share that with a with a with a fellow priest, um, and then. From sort of the recreational standpoint, there's a there's a and and just sort of a healthy lifestyle standpoint. There's a real value to spending time with families and especially in their homes, but spending time with families, with uh, couples who are you know dating or who are engaged and preparing for marriage or whatever the case may be. It keeps the priest well grounded. It, it reminds him of the point of his ministry, and it and it reminds him that there ought to be some sort of 
um, joy in that in that ministry that's connected to the people that he serves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's man, it's just the life that you guys working in a parish for you know a year now. This parish for a year now, I've I've seen a little bit more of what a priest's life is like, and it's like you need so much balance, you know, because you could spend your whole day at the church if you wanted to, like from six a.m. to midnight. Um, what's that been like for you kind of like finding that balance and what's, uh, I don't know. Cause I'm trying to figure that out for myself too. Like what's, what feeds you and what, sure. what keeps you going? That's a good question. I was just talking with a priest over lunch about that today. Actually, mm-hmm. it's one of those things I, I like to think you know, we can go kind of one of two ways with what psychologists, I guess, like to call self-care or, sure. or, or pastors like to call self-care. I love self-care. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Deacon. I love that new word. The, it's uh, beautiful. There, there can be a temptation, of course, to to overcompensate and to mm. to dodge work or something like that in the name of self care. Um, but to me, self care, there's something kind of like or balance. You know, they're kind of the same. Uh, is somewhat like I don't know managing money or something, right? I mean, the Not temptation can be, in terms of generosity, uh-huh. to give everything all at once, right? I mean, there's. I need to give everything I have. I need to give it all right now. And the reality is if one manages one's money well, you're able to give more over a longer period of time. And I think the same goes with with one's life and how one is able to give one's self in service. And that is if you take good care of yourself, which is not to say pampering yourself per se, but it's to say taking good care of yourself. Right. If you do that, then you have the energy to reach more people over a longer period of time, you don't burn out, you stay well grounded. And That's so a great way to look at it. Yeah. And, um, That's awesome. And so for, for me, what that looks like is um, a very, I, there's a number of types of ways I like to recreate. Uh, flying is one of them. I just found out you're a pilot. <gasps> Isn't dude. that crazy? Somebody was that D, was that father Doug that told me? Probably. It could have been. Certainly. Oh my goodness. So I grew up around small airplanes. My dad's a small airplane pilot of 30 years, and I got my pilot's license a couple years ago And uh, uh, when I was working at the hospital. And I, it's a great way for me to get my mind off of things, yeah. to think about something totally different that's constructive. That's How to keep this machine in the air. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Physics does that. The laws of nature, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. But um, there's that. I'm also a musician. I play the piano and the organ, so I do that. Mm. Read. Um, enjoy outdoors things, all of which I kind of do in different ratios depending on the week and the amount of time and and all of that. But all of it, I try not to sideline all of it every week, right? That there's a real value in being able to do some of those things as a way of, as a way of keeping on top of things, keeping myself well energized and rested and all of that. My dad, uh, got his pilot's license when he was, you know, whatever, teenager, early twenties. And because uh, my grandpa flew planes and he always tells me that for his certification flight, he had to like fly in this triangle between states and he had to land somewhere between Wisconsin and Iowa because he had to he was going to be sick. And so he just pulled his plane over to the side of the airport and laid under the shade of the wing and finished and got a certification, but didn't fly very much. after. That. after that. I guess after it made that. him really sick and he just didn't do it. And I'm like, man. Missed opportunity. I think that's so cool that you're a pilot. Well, can I ask you a question about that? It's not related <laughs> at all to 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 this. I mean, like interview. How do you do? You have to schedule those way out, and where do you fly? Do you just? I I imagine you don't go to ABIA. Like where? 
Right. So, what are the logistics involved in flying a small airplane? I think this is an appropriate question. Okay. Oh, there, I mean, there's all sorts of things to take into consideration. You don't necessarily have to schedule them way out. You can't really schedule some aspects of them way out. Weather is a big factor oh, for small airplanes. Right. So, mm-hmm. a lot of times, I won't make. I mean, I won't make the decision that I'm actually going to go on a trip until the until the moment. Right. Assess the weather and those sorts of things. In terms of where I go, I'm, it's mostly little short flights just for fun. So I'll fly around Central Texas and go to little small airports in, you know, Hallettsville, Texas, or Fredericksburg. There's cool. a diner on the airport there, so that's always a good a good one to, nice. to go to. Have you ever to. flown with? Have you ever taken anybody anywhere in an airplane? I have. I'm, Should we do a podcast episode from the plane? They're from, absolutely from the plane, not. This the is Highland not safe. Lakes. No. <laughs> We would have there, how many else? waivers would we have to uh, sign? Lisa's mom, uh, her mom. <laughs> is there just a, is there a diocesan waiver for that? <laughs> no transportation. If there is, how do you feel about it. transporting teens to Steubenville via airplane? No, no, I said a podcast. Yeah, I don't know, but you know there are more blessings in the Book of Blessings for airplanes than there are for cars. <laughs> That's because they're in the air. I think, yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. I, so I've never even thought about how to. So you're not flying to Michigan. You're not flying your, yourself no, to Michigan. No, no. I, I that would take uh, the better portion of a day to fly myself up there. It's still faster than driving, right? It is. Maybe a couple hours. But, but you're not driving, are you? No, I'll I'll fly, You'll but let I just he'll be a passenger. I'll, I'll be flying. flown. You'll yeah. be flown. Wonk <laughs> wonk. So okay, so I'm gonna ask the uh, basic cheesy question. So why? the Catholic priesthood because you didn't grow up Catholic. No, and no, I didn't. So convinced you. Well, the, the short answer is two things. Um, I'd always kind of had an interest in, I started playing the organ when I was very young. So I'd always kind of had an interest in first grade, by the way, more liturgical. <laughs> I grew up Baptist, which is not, um, not a particularly liturgical church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always kind of had an interest in things liturgical. And then I also had an, an academic interest in history from a very early age. And yeah. so my musical interest and my academic interest were were things that kind of opened up vistas to explore the larger church. And uh, so throughout high school, even junior high, I was doing a lot of reading in church history, doing a lot of reading about sacred music and these sorts of things. And um, and then you couple all that with the fact that I had a couple of very close Catholic friends, mm-hmm. and um, their witness played a, a very big part in my eventual conversion and entering seminary. So um, on the academic side of things, it more or less came down to a, a grappling with the question of authority mm-hmm. uh, and... I sort of, as I read the Church Fathers especially and saw the way that the Fathers interpreted Scripture, the the way the Fathers drew on what eventually became sacred Scripture was put together into a book, um, I saw saw a group of clergy, of bishops, doing what the bishops in the Church continue to do today. And so I I saw this kind of continuity, and there was something that was deeply moving to me about that. And then on the social side of things, if you will, uh, these, this handful of Catholic friends ended up being very, uh, pivotal in a number of, um, stages of life that in which I needed a lot of support. And so their witness was, was very formative and wow. convincing. Can I just say, I love that. I just, I don't, I don't know. You, you, you live your faith out and to hear somebody say, who's going to be a priest for you to say, 
these their witness of just how they were living impacted me. Like, you know, you want to be that person, I think. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's awesome that you had good Catholic <laughs> friends, you know, like that were knew what they were talking about, knew what they were about. Um, was this in college or was this in high? Did you have Catholic friends in high school? I did in later high school, especially. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, I just think of the high schoolers that I know and just, you know, how many of them live their Catholic identity so much so that somebody would be drawn to it. Right. And I encourage young people. I mean, I, I tell this to young people, especially to to emphasize the importance of very little of what this friend of mine did one one friend in particular very little of what he did was was apologetic or something along those lines it was it was it was simply putting his faith into practice applying it to certain situations and uh, that made that not the apologetic sort of thing made a big a, a bigger impact on me of course yeah yeah. Isn't that always, I mean, yeah, when, isn't that almost always the way though? It's always awesome when I feel like it's kind of like a mic drop situation when, uh, I hear, or someone asks me like, why don't you do that? Or why do you do that? And it's like, well, I'm Catholic. Right. I don't want to do that. Or I do do that. Cause then they go, Oh, like this is a little bit about what you're about. You know, right. anytime we encounter someone with conviction and who's like, this is who I am. I think that's always kind of, uh, it's really nice, especially in this this age of uncertainty and skepticism. Well, I think with conviction, but you're not like a jerk about it. Exactly. I mean, I know a lot of convicted people that are not so sure. Sure. Nice about it. Right. Right. So that it's just, um, you give off the aroma of Christ or, you know, that you're, there's a certain joy about the people are drawn to you because you witness. Right. And there's often a sense, for example, with my friend there, he didn't really have the perception on his end that he had done anything. Right. To, and so, you know, I'm I'm offering words of gratitude or something like that. Uh, and he's just sort of, well, I just sort of do what we what we do. Right. And I think that that that's evidence of someone who has appropriated their faith and let it transform their life yeah. into something that bears witness to the fullness of the gospel. That's such a tender age. I mean, I'm just, I'm super impressed with this friend of yours. I feel like I need to meet him and shake his hand. I mean, <laughs> well, honestly. I, I, I look forward with great joy to uh, preaching at his wedding in, oh, uh, in November of this oh, year. That's yes. Great. That, yeah. oh, that is, that's excellent. That's a really, re- so did you go to Catholic mass with him when you were in I high school? I started or? to. That's did right. You? That's right. I actually didn't meet him till the very end of high school mm-hmm. and, um, so the sort of academic side of the conversion happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there was a lot of prelude work, if you will, that was that. Uh, but I started really asking those questions a senior year of high school, wanted to enter the church at the end of Easter of my senior year of high school. Logistically, it just wasn't going to work out. So I waited, went through RCIA my first year at Texas A&M and then at entered the, the church. Then. That's right. That's right. Who was the... Uh... Who was the priest at at Texas A and M at the time? Uh, Bishop David Condrilla. Yeah. So you went during, like, I mean, it's always they always have such great, right? And it, and his stuff. example and witness was very formative in my discernment then. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so when but... you became Catholic, did you know that you wanted to be a priest? My discernment and conversion are almost inseparable in terms of the stories. And Bishop Condrill is actually the one who described it that way to me. I wouldn't have thought to put it that way myself. But the way he described it 
to me, reflecting my own experience, was that one of the first things that was appealing to me about being Catholic was the thought of being a priest. And I think mm. he was right about that, that yeah. there was something intriguing about what the priest does, mm-hmm. most what the priest most properly does, which is Liturgy. celebrate the sacraments yeah. and, uh, and offer sacrifice, that was intriguing. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a, a kind of hook that got me to, to explore this further. That's, I mean, that's so insightful because you said it yourself, like you've always kind of been liturgically attuned, right? right? With your, with your music, but also your fondness for it. That's awesome. Well, I just love that this, this, um, this great priest saw that in you and was a, and was able to articulate it back to you, just what he was seeing and how he was so spot on. And it's so nice when people do that. You're like, oh, that's right. That's me. Yeah, that's, that's me. what I've been feeling. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you for helping helping me understand myself exactly. better. Right. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we need a mirror, you know? Right. And to be seen like the, the good parts of us mm-hmm. need to be, because um, we do so much work to try to be that person and for somebody to, um, to articulate it back. And now he's a bishop. So That's right. So he did something right. He that's did something right. pretty good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Right. That's so cool. Will you do a mass at Texas A&M? I will. will I, expe- I, expect, I expect my first mass will be there. Wow. So nothing yeah. set in stone at this point, of course. But Yeah, we got another year. That's right. Yeah. Not too shabby. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is very cool. Well, do you have any other questions? For, I don't. I You asked the from? one, like, where did I you did. come from? But that was good. It actually went a little bit around the standard, like. Yeah. The standard. Yeah, question. you're not. You're not just. You know, he breaks the mold. Yeah, That's he does. <laughs> he breaks the mold. I That's try right. to. You know, try, think outside the box. Live outside the box. Wait, I did have a question. Wait, so you you celebrated? Did you help at the baptisms last week? Infant baptisms. I did. Was I haven't actually first... done any of the baptisms oh, okay. yet, but okay. I was I was doing some ancillary things. Gotcha. But I did do a committal today for the first time. Oh, cool. So. That's great. Wow, so are you going to get to do all of those things for the first time here? Are you going to baptize? Are yes. you going to? Yes. I'm on the schedule for baptisms solo in a couple of weeks. Yes. Whoa, baby. <laughs> Excellent. Exciting. Yeah. So, and okay, so one more time for everybody out there, how long will you be here? I will be here at St. Louis um, until about halfway through August. Then I will be back for the latter part of Advent and Christmas, and then I will return again for um, Holy Week and Easter. And their ordination is next June. That's right. The date will officially be announced later on okay. by the diocese. Oh, is that not supposed to say next June? Oh, no, June. No, that's fine. We June-ish, just don't know the date yeah. yet. Okay, cool. So we encourage you to continue to pray for vocations. We encourage you to continue to pray for Deacon Henry um, in this final year um, and introduce yourself to him. I've learned over the years that um, clergy, they, they don't bite. They're actually really cool. And they're always down to go out for a beer. Yes. True or a that. meal. <laughs> or a meal. Or Chinese food. That's right. Okay. Well, and I want to encourage you to like and subscribe and share this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. We love you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Deacon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Go be church. Go be church.